we have a remote show at noon. I told everyone I'm working from home because of this and because it's literally like in Timbuktu, Jacksonville, like in Bumblefuck, like 45 minutes from my house. And so I was like, yeah, I'm not coming into the office this morning. That's uh, the, the frequent battle of are you coming into the um, no, like there's some things like I can't. No, it's uh, my boss. I like your, is this your home office setup? That yeah, is. That's fantastic. Have- well, so I ask only because I'm closing on a house next week and my boyfriend wants he's like he's like yelling because he's like, I know you want it to be the home office, but I also want my quad TV set up in there. Oh, yeah, no, no. So a buddy of mine who's just engineer genius. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't come in yet and hid the cords for the rest behind the wall. But I've got a uh, down here. I've got a um, I've got a speaker um, connects to one TV. Everything is just so this is the home That's office. Awesome. My wife. My wife is trying to find some things that I can like pen back here to make it look somewhat great. But as of right now, um, it is a dandy what the freaking um, the smart TVs and the apps can do now these days. It's amazing. No, that's yeah. why like we're like like I've like on um, like a napkin been like rendering like how I would like it to look. Blueprint napkin. Oh my yeah. god, I blueprint napkin all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like sitting there as we're out to dinner the other day and I'm like drawing it out on my hand. I'm like, okay, so if I get a new desk and it's a wraparound, it's an L-shaped right. desk. And so I put everything, cause that's the problem is like here behind the scenes. So like, this is my desk, but then right. this was like the studio setup I set up foolishly last summer. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, oh, this will work. But then it's like, I have to do all my podcasts from the freaking corner of my desk, which is stupid. Um, so yeah. So the next one will be better planned out for the home podcast and everything else. So since I do this quite, I think especially like Jag season, like Vison has me on like every other week. And so it's like, you should have seen the look on my face. Um, so I've known Polly for some time, just some yeah. Iowa aspect gambling. So mm-hmm. I followed him for a minute and that particular morning, I was having a rough morning because the dog was sick and it was just getting oh, yeah. to that. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to sit on the porch. I'm just going to chill the fuck out. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden they put on, I'm just turned the Sunday show on and I'm sitting there and Lombardi's doing his thing. And then they flip over to you. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Like, what are the chance? And it instantly day better. I was just like, me, O'Brien. No, Lombardi's like, the man, the cool- dude. The coolest fucking person in the world. And it was just like, I, it's, Man, it was crazy because when I thought you went to Jacksonville, I was just like, well, I hope she enjoys like the lily pad because I know she's going to maybe I, I know mistake. I assume that one day she's going to want to maybe go back up. Maybe it's a Long Island thing. Is it a Manhattan thing? Is it a Northeast? Is it like a Connecticut type thing? And then you see the you see how you've carved out that niche for you in Jacksonville. And I was like, oh, fuck, piece together. It makes way too much sense. It no, now I'm like trying to do the Andy Staples plan, which is like he's still fucking living in Gainesville. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, at this point in time, like I'm basically just like, well, if Trevor's giving me information, then like, why wouldn't your network want to hire me and let me stay here? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that's kind of like my MO now because I'm just like, you know, wh- wh- like certainly could you pick me up and move me somewhere else? Yes. But it takes about two to three years to develop sources. And like, could I do a regional thing? Like, yes. But the unfortunate part for me with NFL Network is that um, what's her face? Sarah Walsh is down in Tampa and they jet her up every other weekend because they're like, oh, well, she went to UNF. And it's like, well, bitch, I teach at UNF. So like, why don't you just like, why don't. OK, it's, yeah. it's fine. Like, honestly, like it's I don't patient. like it's coming, sister. It's coming. yeah. And that's why I'm. I'm chilling. Like people are always like, don't you want to go to you? I'm like, listen, are you chilling? Let me me tell you what I tell everybody else in in unsolicited advice. I have a buddy of mine who has to decide right now. His girlfriend does not want to leave East Tennessee. She's like an East Tennessee homebody. And he was just like, 
do I stay or do I go? And I said, what would make you happy? And he was like, I don't, I don't. And I was like, stop, are you happy? And he was like, yes and no. And I said, if moving to Portland, Oregon to do things with Portland and the trailblazers would make you happy. He's like, but I don't want to leave her. Don't ever put anything in front of your happiness. No, exactly. And two weeks later, he was like, you want to help me pack some things? And I went, yes, I do. No, as he should. I do. And guess yes, what? I and if it's if it's supposed to be, if it's meant to be, like one mm-hmm. of our producers, like we yelled at him, we sent him to Houston, and after two years, because he was at ESPN Houston, which I'm sure you've heard right. through the grapevine and a lot of the issues there, he ended uh, up coming back anyways. So you know, like, and thank God he came back and didn't get back together with the ugly girlfriend. So everything was good. Like, who was crazy and ten years older than him? So isn't it funny how everything does that every once in a while? I know. So that's, and I said, I was like, look, RJ, you ended up exactly where you were supposed to be. Like you ended up back here, but you also you are an NBA fan. So like, what, the, what the hell were you doing here? Yeah. Like, you know, but whatever. So kids today. I won't take, uh, I won't take up too much of your time, but uh, I'm learning the video aspect is a very popular thing now these days. Oh yes. Oh, you, you should see dude, like our YouTube channel. Like I know yeah. Jason Barrett loves to like, you know, flaunt about it, which is hilarious because uh, he told Graham for years not to, Push the YouTube channel, our videographer. Don't do this, but now that's doing great. Hey, what's up? Oh, How yeah, we you? average 1,500 views every podcast on YouTube. We may only average 600 downloads, but we average 1,500 views on YouTube. So, just saying. What can I tell you about this person that's to the right of my screen? Um, they're adjectives that I would have to grab a thesaurus to even try to learn more about. I would have to go through so many things to tell you about the roads traveled for not this just lady, but the times that I've come across her and those roads traveled. And we are lucky enough today to be able to chat with Mia for the sake of the matter is she is, I guess, our correspondent in enemy territory. Mia, they come up with so many different things like, what do you want to know about your enemy or cliche or cliche? We're talking Gators today. You you do so much work in Jacksonville but you do so much work with FSU Miami, with the Gators, with North. The, if you want to talk about the Osprey, I'm sure we could talk about that. Stand as well. by. I have a prop for the Ospreys. Hold okay, on. let me see it. Let me see. I it. have a prop. Stand I want by. to see it. All right, here we go. I'm actually really excited for this because I know she's not going to disappoint. How about a vintage throwback North Florida Ospreys jersey? That is my gut. We got can, everything. What else do you have back there? Put it here in front of the 1010. Don't tell anyone. I won't. Okay. I'll keep I'll keep go. that hush. Perfect. I'll keep that hush. Um man, I come bearing I, gifts, you know that. I wanted to ask you, simply put, how the state of Florida is right now, but it sounds like that it's excited for Miami, it's excited for Florida State, and we live in a world where there's so much hurricane and Seminole cheering going on, it's drowning out kind of some of the uh-ohs that are happening in Florida. Can you give us, I guess, a little bit of a blow-by-blow what's happening right now in the Sunshine State? That's a perfect way to describe it, that the Miami-Florida State love is basically drowning out the Gator tears. Um, And I say that working for the home of the Florida Gators on radio. Um, The reality is, is that, and and we talked about this on radio yesterday, like Florida is in a very unique situation where they are asked to be patient, which as we know, Gator fans are not patient. College football fans inherently are not patient. But because they are looking across the way down I-10 or up I-75, I suppose, and seeing what Mike Norvell and the Florida State fan base are currently reaping the the rewards of after years and years of patience. And then they look down the road and they see Mario Cristobal in year two, just like Billy Napier. So we'll pair those two together here in a second. And they're seeing the rewards of that patience. And they're saying, well, 
maybe Billy does have a plan. Maybe Billy Napier is onto something by saying, hey, I need to get my guys in. Dan Mullen didn't recruit for three years, and this is what I was left with. And you saw it last year with the fact that our offensive and defensive line looked like a bunch of high schoolers out there compared to the right. rest of the SEC. Now, the funny part about that, Tyler, is just because I went to Florida State practice here at uh, at University of North Florida <clears throat> because Mike always brings them for a couple days during training camp. And I went with FSU legend James Coleman, who, of course, used to work with me at 1010XL. And James's then eight-year-old son looks at us and says, Dad, is this a high school practice or a college practice? And he goes, it's college. Why, buddy? He goes, they're small. And that was in 2021. Now you do a complete 180 flip in Tallahassee, where they're potentially the number one team in the country right now. They are winning every get-off-the-bus award there is. And that's where I think Florida fans are saying, okay, like, look what they did. Maybe there's a method to the madness after all. The difference is that Mike Norvell absolutely has pillaged and killed the transfer portal. And Billy Mm -hmm. Napier, while certainly making inroads in high school recruiting, he finally has broken through after decades of Gator futility at IMG Academy, and he's been able to lure some of those cats to Gainesville, as well as some of the Lakeland crew, which, as we know, since the Pouncey twins, there really hasn't been a great pipeline from Lakeland per se. And so I I think that – that's the difference between the two. Like they're seeing the patients and they're like, okay, well we can afford a year. Plus of course their Lord and savior, DJ Lagway, the heralded high school quarterback recruit is coming next year. And he's of course going to lead them to the promised land, despite the toughest schedule in the sec and potentially the country next year. Um, But the other side of that is Billy is trying to build it through high school recruiting with some patchwork from the portal. Whereas Mike Norvell said, screw it. I know what I was handed. I know the hand I was dealt. I got to hit the portal real quick. There's no person who has, in my opinion, tackled and took advantage of the transfer portal more than Mike Norvell at Florida State. And we saw that immediately wide receiver position in the LSU win. We'll leave FSU there. Did Billy Napier already dig himself a hole the very first time he stepped to the podium and goes, we will not get into a bidding war with NIL when everybody knew that NIL was the way it's essentially free agency of college football and look where we are now. Maybe it takes him a year to get back up to par, but this is the year where he's in the blue chip ratio, but a lot of those blue chip ratio players, me, as you know, they're freshmen. Next year, we'll have a conversation. Junior year, we'll have a conversation. But at this moment, homie, you had a pair of aces and you folded. What are you doing? At least look at the flop. The irony of it is guess who fired him? The same guy who said the day that we pay the players is the day that I retire. One Dabo Sweeney. And look who also is currently struggling in the current environment in 2023. And so, listen, they are, I will tell you this, because obviously Shannon Snell, another, I'm just name dropping all the All-Americans here, but former All-American Gator offensive lineman, um, the pit master, Sonny's Barbecue Forever, um, and he also hosts, co-hosts our kickoff show on 1010. Um, Shannon is, is involved with that program and Florida Victorious as anybody. They are indeed finding a way through NIL and through booster programs. Like pe- players are being compensated through NIL. Um, but yes, for me, the bigger issue is the fact that Billy Napier is so focused on getting three and four year guys when everyone else is saying you, you do have to have that base and that bread and butter. But you also got to say, I got to win now so that the fan base and the leash that I'm on isn't getting shorter and shorter. And so it, it's, yeah, it, it's it's fascinating because he is just so steadfast against the current. 
And like to take it to the professional ranks, like we thought during the five game losing streak here in Jacksonville last year, Doug Peterson was like, you know, and that's what the players said. They're like, he's the same guy every week. He's the same guy every week. And some people here were like calling for his head being like, well, he needs to get, you know, he needs to fire a light under their belly. Like, rah, 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 rah. And he, we, no, not going to light a fire under their ass. Like he, he's just, if he's the same and he says, you guys are staying the course they will stay the same and they will continue to break the rock. And so obviously that proved to be true. And so that's where I think it's so tough for Florida Gator fans because there is so much overlap between the Jaguars and the Gator fan base. And of course they're, they're seeing their, the rival. I know Jeff, Jeff and Dan on our morning show were debating is Florida state more of a rival than Georgia for Florida these days. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can get into that too. I, I yeah. know like they're seeing these two teams that believe that the pain is part of the path. And they stuck to the process. And that's why it's it's like such a weird position. But the problem with Florida is like then you're banking, even if Graham Mertz is just this one year, yeah. like whole, like one year thing, you're gonna put a 17-year-old, 18-year-old true freshman out there next year and things are gonna suddenly be better. That's a great analogy and example of bringing what Peterson did last year to essentially what we're seeing right now out of Billy Napier. But is Napier going to be given enough time to see this through? Like, I know, looking at those players and the talent and what is the hotbed of the state of Florida, Florida's recruiting class will be fine. They're number three in the nation. They're going to keep climbing. They're going to be a problem for Tennessee and the rest of the SEC probably next year in the foreseeable future. But Mia, if he gets blown out on Saturday by Tennessee or it gets ugly, he's going to get blown out by Georgia. He's the Florida's going to get blown out by FSU this year. He hasn't won a game yet. We're already talking about buyouts, and he's about to coach only his 16th game in Gainesville. Well, they're going to get beat by LSU, too. The list goes on. They got beat by Vandy. Yes. That's the bigger problem. Before McNeese State, people forget he had lost four in a row if he goes back to last year. He lost, okay, bowl games, Ivan's Oregon State, but it's still a loss. Let's start with that. They lost to Vandy. I think that that's the important talking point. If they had taken, like, people forget they beat A&M last year in College Station because they got beat by Vandy the next week. And so I think that's the sticking point, is if they had taken care of the teams they needed to take care of last year, then we're having a completely different conversation. Now, don't forget, Mike Norvell lost to Jacksonville State once upon a time. Um, So there is a reason that the Fire Mike Norvell Twitter spaces existed. Uh So... That, that's where, like, for me, we wouldn't be having this conversation of how short is his leash if he had just taken care of those winnable games. But because Very they slipped fair. up, and, or, like, we could pair it with this. If you lose to Vandy, but you somehow beat Florida State, people will forgive you. And he didn't. Because he lost those two. And so that that's where, in terms of his leash, I'm, I mean, the thing is, is you have to, also look at the big picture of Florida athletics right now. Mm-hmm. Scott Strickland literally interviewed two people for this position as head coach, head football coach of the Florida Gators, Billy Napier, who was his number one target. And then he had a phone call with Matt Campbell. That was it. And yeah. Brian Kelly's people called multiple other coaching, you know, what do we want to call them? Uh, press squads or their, their paparazzi, their entourage. Yeah. Multiple entourages reached out. He had one target and one target only. Simultaneous to that, the women's basketball program was going through upheaval with allegations of um, verbal abuse from the then head coach. They had to fix that situation. And obviously Mike White and the basketball, not nothing, you know, off the field issues, all on the court issues because the results weren't there. So that's simultaneously going on. 
Granted, the baseball team goes to the College World Series final, but then are they good enough to, you know, stack up with LSU? That question remains to be seen. And so that's where, in terms of micro Billy Napier, you have to go to macro Scott Strickland. And if Billy goes, does Scott follow him? That's where I think Billy has a longer leash because I don't think the University of Florida is prepared to completely turn over its entire athletic program. And if you say goodbye to Billy Napier, you are admitting defeat to Scott Strickland and having to let him go as well. Scott Strickland's clock clearly already ticking. Do you believe that this was kind of already set in motion when the Jaden Rashada NIL fiasco fell apart? Because the second he jets, he gets let out of his letter. He takes off for Arizona State. I sat there. The unprofessional Tyler Ivins. I know where I come from, but the second I saw Rashada transfer out, I went, oh, my God, they're going to start Graham Mertz. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was on the air, and I went, is he going to try to get to a track meet with Joe Milton? Get all you run, overthrow Joe. We've heard it. It's going to be settled. But I went, oh, no, not this Wisconsin kid. He's coming back, and I made the joke on the air. It's going to be rejected Big Ten quarterback Joe Milton against rejected Big Ten quarterback Graham Mertz. I love that. I may make and that now, joke today. I love and that. Then, and then I sat there and just looked at the field and went, oh, no, they're going to try to get into a track meet with Tennessee like Will Levis of Kentucky and like every other. This could get messy. Now we saw the struggles with Austin P last week, and there's a lot of concerned people in Knoxville who believe in higher power juju boo boo voodoo dolls going, but we never can win down in the swamp. Oh, and not in our last night. What is your thoughts on not just the Graham Mertz transition as starter, but where this Tennessee Florida rivalry is coming into present day? Well, for me, the interesting thing is, is that being close to the subject of what other quarterbacks did Billy Napier look at? In the transfer portal. Reportedly, he chose Graham Mertz over 22 to 29 other quarterbacks. Now, for me, the one that sticks out the most, and geographically I'm doing the math in my head, it's a little further away from y'all in East Tennessee, um, but is Austin Reed. St. Augustine, Florida native, led the nation in passing yards last year. Western Kentucky is back there this year. Wanted to go to Florida. Said no to multiple other institutions. That's why he's back at Western Kentucky. But the one school that he would have left Western Kentucky for was the University of Florida. And mm-hmm. Billy Napier said, I think Graham Mertz is better. That he, that he should be fired on the spot. And that, for me, is just mind-numbing. And listen, maybe I'm biased because Austin's a local kid. I know, obviously, his trainer and everybody he works with. The guy led the nation in passing yards. Mm-hmm. And you said no. Over a guy who literally was kicked out of a school that is a run-first offense. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't kicked out. That's probably mean for grammar. He was a pariah. But, but that's besides the point. The other quarterback they also had their eye on, who also is a Florida native, is, of course, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Mm. Also a pretty big name. I don't know. He beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. I'd be interested in him and kicking the tires. Then there was this whole Grayson McCall, like, uh, courtship. But Grayson McCall's, like, academic i don't know what they're doing at coastal carolina i'm not sure if he's majoring in moonshine making or what with all due respect to the young he's man pissing till, apparently we, we learned he's pissing till is what we're yeah doing. well evidently um he couldn't qualify to get to the university of florida so he was Ooh. the only quarterback that was really in the conversation and so that's where I like, but like all those names i just listed granted they're all group of five mid-major quarterbacks but not fcs like they're fbs right right right, right. but it's not even like like just because he was at Wisconsin and was a Big Ten reject, therefore, like he suddenly has a higher status and a higher ceiling than those three. Because, like, I would disagree with that in, entirely. Um, but yeah, so that that's where 
for whatever the reason, this has been Billy Napier's guy. I believe that a big reason for this goes back to, and I want to make sure that I say his name right, uh, Levi Lewis, right? That's the name of the, yeah, Levi Lewis. So that was Billy's quarterback at Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah. yeah. Obviously did not have the arm that Joe Mil- Milton clearly does. He was still an explosive playmaker Levi was. I love right. watching Louisiana football because of him. Explosive playmaker who did exactly what Billy asked him to do. And in conversations with Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson's camp, and with Billy Napier himself, my biggest takeaway has been Billy would ask Anthony to do things, Anthony would push back, and then Anthony would be afraid to defy Billy, and so then they were just stuck in this weird limbo of sorts Mm. where the marriage was never going to work. And so he needed a quarterback that would do exactly what he asked him to do, and he believes that Graham Mertz is the yes man that he has been searching for. Now – what is Graham Mertz's ceiling versus floor? That's where it's the thought was, well, if you give him a, a new, a new environment, less pressure, because obviously he went into Wisconsin, most heralded quarterback recruit they've ever had. Right. Maybe things will actually, he'll be allowed to play freer. He shined during training camp as a leader, despite being a first year guy in Gainesville. Um, of course, part of that is probably because he's the oldest guy next to Ricky Pearsall in Gainesville mm. because everybody else is so young. Um, and that was the other thought was if we surround him with enough talent, he'll be fine. The problem is, and like you said, number three recruiting class coming in next year, and that's all fine and dandy. But those are 18-year-old cats. I, I, I don't think that you can just rely on, well, they're 18 years old, they're 19 years old, they're going to make an impact. Right now we're looking at an Alabama squad that had the number one recruiting class in the nation uh. last year. They are starting one member of that <laughs> recruiting class, uh, go Iowa, Caden Proctor, and he got whipped go. by Texas on Saturday night. And none of those other young guys have been able to crack the starting lineup yet. I think at Florida, those young guys are going to have to crack the starting lineup or at least the two deep because the talent just isn't there yet. Um, and they'll have to take their lumps, just like this current crop is. But the reality is, is I don't believe that that is enough to float the quarterback position. It's the most important position in football. And if you don't invest in it, this is what you're left with. You know what? It's, I think it's this is an excellent time for me to ask you this question because we brought up the other two programs in Florida and you just brought up Bama's trouble, uh, struggles against Texas. Is the SEC down? And if it is, is this just a small speed bump or are we seeing other conferences catching up to them? It's one thing to get blown out LSU by FSU, but Jalen Milrow played Alabama out of that game against Texas. They were handed their lunch. When you look at what Miami did to Texas A, and I was on the air. I went five and one last week, and I was on the air last Ooh, week. Being like, hey, and I, went, I went two and four. We're not going to talk about it. And my one and five performance week one. Not oh, wow. It. But I was sitting here on the air going, look, you guys ride with Ivans. You guys do all these gambling picks with me. A&M's going to drag Miami up and down that pl- field. And it was a complete opposite. Where are you right now on kind of where the SEC is? Because the days of, hey, they're guaranteed to get two teams into the dance. Yeah, no, it's going to be Georgia and whoever else falls into place behind them. Yeah, um, I did pick Miami for what it's worth. Shout out to Dave Campo. I will follow him wherever. Also because I knew, and that's where this Tennessee game, to frame the two together, Yeah, a win on Saturday for Billy Napier would be akin to Mario Cristobal beating Texas A&M this past Saturday. Got Mario it. needed that win because he needed to prove that sticking to the process is the way to wins. Um, and it obviously proved to come to fruition because they beat a Texas A&M team that I think in the trenches, while Miami is much improved, those big boys for A&M, that line, both on the offensive and defensive line, like 
first of all, on the defensive line, it's like nothing but four and five stars. They all run four, six, four, seven at 300 Mia, if pounds. Blind, Mia, if we did a blind resume and I showed you the score and I said, hey, look, AM put 38 points up, you'd go, oh, they beat Miami by 14. It wasn't Bobby Petrino's offense. You got four and five stars who were just Tyler Van Dyke goes, kill, cool, over the top, see ya. Right, and, the, and it's the secondary, because in the trenches, I mean, Miami exactly. held strong, and that's where Mario, I'm sure, took so much pride in that as a former offensive lineman himself. Um, but, yeah, for me, like, I was shocked that they, because they were manhandling and controlling the line, which was mm -hmm. very surprising for me. Um, Can but you no, imagine if Miami doesn't have two special teams turnovers, how much worse that game gets? Mm -hmm. They were laddie, they were, it was almost like they were toying with them, like a cat with a mouse, just pushing it, going, now I kill you. Yeah, now correct. I kill. Now yeah. I kill you. Exactly. They just wanted to make it interesting. They wanted to keep the uh, tessitor on his toes, and they wanted to also have the uh, man behind the glass. Just, you know, they had to keep showing him. Yes. Um, no, yes. for me, the SEC is down. Um, there's no question. I felt that at media day because, and that was not because I felt like in Atlanta the year prior, it was like this all-star lineup of, I mean, because you had so many returning stars from Bryce Young right. to, to um I don't know if I could say his name at this writing, but Stetson Bennett, um, like you had so many. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know if you saw that news, um, but yeah. 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 So you had so but the thing is, is like you had so many returning stars. Nolan Smith. There's a outstanding character, young man from the University of Georgia. Um, you had so many stars that year. You had so many returning like units, like of nine, 10, 11 guys. And I got that vibe at media day. I was just like scrolling through and I'm like, I mean, in terms of like name recognition, like LSU, yeah. Jaden Daniels and Brian Kelly, like they're a known commodity. You could say my boy, Sammy Pittman and KJ Jefferson in Arkansas, like they're mm. a known commodity. Who else? You know, like Spencer Rattler and the Beamer ball. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like in terms yeah. of, hey, we know that this team, we know who they are. We know they're going to be in the mix. It was so limited. And so while there's certainly room for the SEC to completely, you know, flip that script by season's end, and I think Carson Beck and Georgia are going to have something to say at the end of the day, because they always do. Um, I mean, everybody else has kind of fallen flat on their face so far. And certainly I think they're going to continue to beat each other up once the SEC slate gets underway. Like, I could totally see a world in which we keep talking about how Sark is the first assistant to go into Tuscaloosa and beat Saban. We could be saying the same thing about Lane Kiffin in three weeks. But then mm. Alabama could beat LSU in the season finale. Absolutely could see that. Or not the season finale, the week before. Totally could see it. Absolutely could see a world. I know you could totally see it, but doesn't Alabama look more like a 9-3 and three team right now than an 11-1 and one team? Yeah, but doesn't Texas just look like a top 10, top 15 team? They don't look like the national championship team to me. Oh, no, I'm, and I'm not so, smoking what people are trying to hand, but what yeah. I'm trying to look at is going – they're not one quarterback away. Alabama is. Yeah. And if I look over at Texas, are they one more wide receiver away? Again, I get it. If they played 10 times, maybe it's split five, five, maybe we didn't learn enough, but I can tell you right now, this conservative approach that everybody in the sec is taking we're the Georgia Bulldogs. Hi, we haven't won a national championship in 30 years. We won back-to-back -back titles and we're bringing in a coordinator who was holding us back with Mike Bobo, and we're going to try to do this again. Dan Enos at Arkansas. Do I need it? It just feels like that the conservative approach, the eight that that the SEC with many of these programs are doing, it's very clear the results are in early. And guess what? You ain't going to win this election. It's time for you to get find somebody else who can actually compete. But maybe I'm the guy who just does a knee jerk reaction to two weeks of football. Yeah, I, it's. 
I don't know. They're going to beat each other up either way, but so is the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions. Yes, um, yes. Started out 14-0, baby. So proud of the Pac-12. I have no allegiance to the Pac-12, but I am proud of them nonetheless. Um, yeah. Truly, I, I, I'm upset with Will Rogers, who I adore, because he ruined the unblemished streak of the uh. Pac-12's dominance to begin the 2023 slate. Uh, but the reality is they're all going to cannibalize each other, and I think the Big 12's going to cannibalize each other. And the ACC certainly looks like it has, you know, three to four teams at the least. And so if mm. those teams also, have, you know, once they go head-to-head, that could open the door for an SET team, most certainly. Could we see a two, three-loss team in the playoff? At this rate, absolutely, because no one has established themselves outside of perhaps Florida State and dare I say Michigan, because they've only played cupcakes and their head coach hasn't coached yet. No one right. has established themselves as I am a national championship contender across the All board, right. not just the SEC. You have a radio show to do today. I have a radio show to do today. So I'm going to end on this one. Um, fast forward. the It's Monday. I'm trying not to do the whole cliche headlines Thursday on Monday BS type thing. But let's say you could look into the future. What's the press conference like in Gainesville? when Napier meets with the media on Monday to reflect on what he saw Saturday, is this a three and O Tennessee team? Is this a even major questions more for Billy Napier where walk me through kind of how you think things play out this weekend? Cause there, there's a lot of fit people in both fan bases that have had this game highlighted on their wall calendar for some time. So I did text my sources down in Gainesville before I came on with you because I was like, what would you like for me to tell our Knoxville radio friends um, with the line currently sitting at six and a half, according to my friends at, over at my bookie um, to which, you know, they all joke Gators by 30 Gators by 30. But the follow-up was if Florida with that heralded defense can force multiple turnovers, the swamp will be a factor. If they can get something going on defense, just like they did against Utah for what it's worth, after that opening 77-yard touchdown, the Florida defense did lock down for the next quarter and a half. And unfortunately, the offense's inability to move the football um, then plagued any effort by the defense. If that defense can get a turnover, heaven forbid they are able to get an offensive score off of defense, that is where Florida has a chance. If they cannot create turnovers, Simply relying on the run game, granted at home, you will have the home crowd. It may not be enough. I think it's going to be an absolute barn burner, personally. Um, and by barn burner, I don't mean that it's going to be 13-6. I mean, it'll probably be somewhere in the range of like 23-17, which isn't a barn burner. But when almost every offensive score is coming via the run game, it is going to be a slow burn down in Gainesville. Uh, I'm picking the balls just because I don't think Florida's there yet. But again, yeah. notice what I said. What, what did I say? 23-17? Yeah. Uh, six and a half line. Good teams win better teams cover that hook, baby. Oh, it's what, so real. What I, heard, what I heard was you're following the money and you're jamming that under. That uh, yeah. that total came out and I went, that seems a little high. Hit refresh on the phone. It was down three points. And I went, oh, because that's why. Because that's why. But you're smart because the hook, sometimes you just got to make sure you follow sometimes the money. And me, O'Brien, who is somebody you need to follow. Look, I'm, I'm biased because I've known her for a minute. But if you're saying to yourself, this woman knows what she's talking about. She has and has for a very long time. And I have to say, it was great to see your face in Nashville. It was great to see your face via the communications and technologies that are 2023. And sister, please don't be a stranger. I know both of our schedules are absolutely just bonkers, ludicrous, upside down birdhouse. 
but you keep doing you and don't ever change. And I mean that don't ever freaking change because you're the same person I met day one. And you're the same person I've known day 4,967. That was the nicest thing anybody's ever said about me. Thank you, my, my dear. That was fantastic. Yeah, you should that do this. Fantastic. Uh, me O'Brien, me O'Brien TV, where you could find me. Uh, and of course, XL primetime Monday to Friday on 1010XL, 92.5 FM. Appreciate y'all up in Eastern Tennessee. Look, I picked y'all to win, so I, I don't want to see Joe Milton just slinging that rock like Josh Allen did on Monday night. Please, please, I'm begging you. She is the MOB just wanting her to shut the door when she walks in. I appreciate you. Thank you.